Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Uh, Marosa, what's going on? I just saw on the news that you're thinking about leaving. What happened? General Kelly, General Kelly came to me and said that you guys wanted me to leave. No, I, I, nobody even told me about it. Nobody, wow. you know, they run a big operation, but I didn't know it. I'd like to see this be uh, a friendly departure. I'm trying to find out at least the context she was using. That did not happen. It sounds like she's writing a script for a movie. I'm the kind of person who covers her own back. In Trump world, everyone lies. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn it. I don't love you leaving at all. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So we are distracted from distraction by distraction this week, but who can tell the distraction from the heart of the matter? There are plenty of scolds who'll tell you it's wrong to talk about Peter Strzok or the president's tweets or the fizzled neo-Nazi jam the other day. Some people say don't talk about any of it because it distracts from the present moment or the sunset or our children or whatever. To each his own. What interests me this week as Manafort's trial for bank fraud wraps up is Manafort.com's transition times emails to JaredKushner.com. I love those insecure commercial servers. So Manafort was asking for cabinet and high-level positions for three of his cronies because, remember, Manafort was only a year out of an inpatient psych hospital and deeply in debt and trying to use his role as Donald Trump's campaign manager to get whole, by which he meant qualify for credit because money to these people always means debt. When Manafort proposed Steve Koch as secretary of the army, for instance, he had just received the first part of his bribe, I mean, $16 million in loans from the bank where Koch is chair of the Federal Savings Bank, according to testimony we heard on Monday. Now, that was basically Koch freestyling and committing his own fraud. But what did Koch, who advanced $9.5 million to Manafort to coincide with the election, what did he want? Well, it turns out he wanted giant jobs in government. Before Manafort emailed Kushner, Koch had sent over his list of favorite perspective roles in the administration. Perspective, R-O-L-L-S. Sometimes the subliteracy of these people just breaks the heart. What are perspective roles, intriguing points of view on very small baked loaves of bread. I mean, I know this is dad humor, but come on, perspective roles. Anyway, I have a better dad humor joke coming, but first the news. So the list was admitted as evidence in Manafort's trial, and it's truly a great vision board. Please search for perspective roles, not prospective roles, perspective roles, and Paul Manafort's name, and you will find Stephen Cox a list of jobs he wants, yummy, delicious, powerful jobs he wants. Another figure Manafort agitated for was Pat Sink, a Republican labor leader. And a third was Vernon Parker, who's described as one of the higher level black political appointees in the Bush administration. Now, none of these people got jobs in the Trump administration. And Manafort's lawyers today just rested his case without calling any witnesses. So we all know where Manafort is probably headed. 
Good job, Paul Manafort. Your efforts at payola and party spoils machine politics are quid amateur quo. I promised more dad humor. So I don't want to get distracted by anything today. Got to keep focused. Today's topic, of course, is Omarosa. She is right in the white hot center of things, as you'll see from my conversation with Lola Oganike, my friend and former Times colleague and host of Entertainment Weekly, the show. I'll be back with Lola in just a minute. But first, the tweets. When you give a crazed, crying lowlife a break and give her a job at the White House, I guess it just didn't work out. Good work by General Kelly for quickly firing that dog. While I know it's not presidential to take on a lowlife like Amorosa, and while I would rather not be doing so, this is a modern form of communication. And I know the fake news media will be working overtime to make even wacky Amorosa look legitimate as possible. Sorry. Wacky Amorosa got fired three times on The Apprentice, now got fired for the last time. She never made it, never will. She begged me for a job, tears in her eyes. I said, okay, people in the White House hated her. She was vicious, but not smart. I would rarely see her, but heard really bad things, nasty to people, and would constantly miss meetings and work. When General Kelly came on board, he told me she was a loser and nothing but problems. I told him, try working it out, if possible, because she only said great things about me until she got fired. Mark Burnett called to say there are no tapes of The Apprentice where I use such a terrible and disgusting word as attributed by wacky and deranged Amorosa. I don't have that word in my vocabulary. and never have. Hi, I'm Josh Levine. My podcast, The Queen, tells the story of Linda Taylor. She was a con artist, a kidnapper, and maybe even a murderer. She was also given the title The Welfare Queen, and her story was used by Ronald Reagan to justify slashing aid to the poor. Now, it's time to hear her real story. Over the course of four episodes, you'll find out what was done to Linda Taylor, what she did to others, and what was done in her name. The, the great lesson of this uh, for me is that people will come to their own conclusions based on what their prejudices are. Subscribe to The Queen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Lola Oganike is joining me in the studio, which is a thrill. No one knows more about the convergence of celebrity and politics than she does. Welcome, Lola. Thank you for having me. We're back together again. This is a reunion. And Ooh. and also, why is it? We do have other things to talk about, for, but for some reason, Omarosa Manigault, formerly Manigault Stallman, is, <laughs> is our favorite topic since the first season of The Apprentice. I don't know why, but the fact that we spent many an hour at The New York Times talking about Omarosa Manigault Stallworth Stallman. How many names does she have now? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just stick with her mononym. Yes. Omarosa. But we would She's talk like about Madonna. She only needs one name. 
<laughs> this, but this is also <laughs> significant because we both wrote about entertainment for a long time. Mm-hmm. And who knew that entertainment would spill into talking about politics? Like we're used to being in the B section, right? Or C or whatever, you know, culture is the like fluff part of things. Right. And now that we have a game show host, reality show host as a president. The fact that there is no line of demarcation between pop culture and politics now is astounding to me. The fact that we're still talking about Omarosa 15 years later is also astounding to me. And the fact that she actually worked at the White House, like of all the cast of characters that we watched on television throughout the years, did you think that Omarosa (laughs) would be the one who ended up in the Oval Office or in the Situation Room getting fired? (laughs) God. How does that happen? But the thing is, what we could maybe have told you is that if she got in there, she would make her mark (laughs) and she would basically (laughs) define the scenes she was in. I mean, the only reason I came back to season two of The Apprentice is because she so brilliantly stole season one from its boring, unctuous, oily host who had nothing to offer. I mean, she was she's the I mean, I think. I remember, and you probably remember the winner of the first season, Bill um, Rancic, so oh. boring. But oh, Juliana DePandy's husband, Bill Rancic. <laughs> That's yes. what we think of him as. But none of them got a career in business out of it. No, nope. she's the only person we remember. Absolute Kwame, Kwame, yeah, Summer Zervos, because I like that she's a Me Too <laughs> person. True. Yeah, um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's it. Was there a Randall? There was a Randall. <laughs> well, if he gets a role in the like, White House, we will have him on Trumpcast. I sound like Kellyanne Conway. They're like, do do any black people work at the White House? <laughs> Jerron. <laughs> J- yeah, Jerron. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. There's Jerron. Yep. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> Oh, um, I hope that plays in audio because Lola is in here with me and she's killing it. All right, backing up. Okay. Who is Omarosa? Jerron. Who is Jerron? <laughs> Who is Jerron? <laughs> Jerron. That'll be the next, <laughs> our next conversation because I need to get to the bottom of that too. We need to talk to some mysterious, about some mysterious Kellyanne Conway confections and inventions <laughs> next time. Omarosa. Yes. So she, um, well, you know what? I'm going to put my cards on the table. Okay. I don't know why every article has to have a clause in it you know omarosa whom we all know is trivial and loathsome Mm -hmm. like it's almost a both sides thing like what's wrong with omarosa i mean the president is the story here omarosa was very close to him Mm -hmm. she was in the situation room she was hired to do all this stuff and as far as i can tell she's got a bunch of advanced degrees she qualified to be on The Apprentice and at least the first season they had like pretty credible people on. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they weren't scraping the bottom of this, you know, celebrity rehab barrel. Right. She hasn't had like public drug problems. She's ordained as a pastor. She's worked in Africa. I know this is kind of silly, right. but like this beats anything that Don Jr. has done in his life. And just for what it's worth, her father was murdered when she was seven. And mm-hmm. I think her brother too was murdered. I mean, she has had, she's self made like none of these people are she's patched together a living on just basically every reality show going Mm -hmm. which is you know it's a living yeah no it's listen it's a hustle it's a very lucrative hustle she made donald trump a lot of money Mm -hmm. she made that network a lot of money Mm -hmm. the apprentice was the show that a number of other shows hitched their their hooks to yep and rode all the way to the top so i mean we forget just how big a show the apprentice was at the time and that was largely based on omarosa being this super villain that everyone had to tune in and watch. And just piggybacking on what you were saying earlier, 
she actually did work in government. She worked for Gore. She worked for the Clinton administration. Was she well-liked by those administrations? No, but that doesn't mean that she didn't have some semblance of experience. Jared and Ivanka, Javanka, have absolutely no experience. We still don't know what exactly they do in that administration. They're aides. We all, all we know is that they made more than $80 million last year alone. <laughs> right. But we still don't know what they do. Yeah. The only thing that qualified them for being in the White House now is that they won the genetic lottery. Yep. So Omarosa being in the White House, given all the other people that are surrounding Omarosa in the White House or did surround Omarosa in the White House, it's not so far-fetched that she's there. I like her, by the way, Spank's free look in the famous film still of her with Corey Lewandowski. <laughs> I just, I, I think, I mean, I also, I'm biased because I also think she is beautiful. Like I just and I love her voice. You can really hear it in that situation room tape with John Kelly, which I I think is some of her best work. (laughs) (laughs) If we are able to pull back, please, and just look at her objectively, Mm -hmm. she is a great character. Mm -hmm. She is extremely telegenic. Mm -hmm. She's mediagenic. She is endlessly entertaining. That's perfect for reality television. That's why we liked Trump when he was not president. He also, too, is endlessly entertaining when he's not running the country and when he's not the leader of the free world. The problem is, is that you can't take characters on a reality show and put them in real life and expect them to function and expect them to function in a way that our entire lives are dependent on the moves and the decisions that they make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. There are certain characters around that get derided a lot in the media, including Michael Avenatti, including uh, Omarosa, who are resistance figures or seeming resistance figures, figures who've turned on Trump and who have this like poltergeist quality to them and are like definitely <laughs> running the media, but like making things explode and whatever. Right. And we're, we're constantly told they're distractions. I mean, this is a you know how you're told, like, if a, if a plane gets hijacked, you're supposed to like throw anything at the hijacker. <laughs> right. I sort of feel like throwing the whole Omarosa jam at the president is not the worst idea. So what is she saying? that is revelatory like do you think this n-word the fact that he may have said it is interesting or useful do you think here's the thing virginia like say a tape emerged of trump using the n-word let's just say hypothetically that a tape exists Mm -hmm. tom arnold roseanne's ex-husband has already said he's heard him use the n-word and he's used a whole bunch of derogatory words about his own son about other people about other ethnicities I think his name is Bob Pruitt or Mr. Pruitt was a former Apprentice producer. He's also said that he's heard Trump use derogatory language. We've all heard Trump use derogatory language before our very eyes at every rally, at every Trump speech. He goes after everyone from Mexicans to the press. So it's not this idea of him using the N-word wouldn't be so foreign if that emerged. Mm -hmm. And frankly, for some of his supporters, they would probably celebrate hearing him an audio of him using the N-word. They'd probably be like, I told you he was one of us. Yeah, right. (laughs) So they might might feel, exactly, they might feel liberated by that and they might actually celebrate that. So for some of his supporters, not all of them, Mm -hmm. but for some of his supporters, they might actually enjoy hearing a tape of Trump using the N-word. That's we've heard him say he grabs women by the pussy. Right. So is like using the N word that far a leap from saying that you assault women because they want it because you're rich? 
I mean, you know, with the pussy tape, he was forgiving that or sort of overriding that and ha- seeing him rise to the presidency did inflict a certain level of trauma on the like on the female populace, the female electorate. And I, I mean, it might be a shade different if we actually heard his voice saying that word or it might not. It might not. I mean, I definitely think this base will feel did you see this episode of Blackish where they were talking about who can say the N word and who mm-hmm. can't? Yes. Yeah. It was really good. Like, there were like these li- cases on the line that right. I was like, I think Jennifer Lopez or something. I was just like, no. Um, but, um, but I think like the charge, there was a charge at some point that like white people are so burning to say the word. Like, mm-hmm. they just are like, please make me fall in the category, blah, blah. <laughs> that, that they're like, what does it take? Can, can I like quote Trump saying it? But, um, um um, I but think, so does I, Chris Rock have a joke about that, too? It's like oh. um, the Kanye song, like Gold Digger. And he, I think he has a joke about this. Am I wrong? They're like, I'm going to okay. karaoke that song. Yeah, yeah. but he like, it was like white people sing that line extra hard. And it's like, <laughs> hey, messing with no broke nigga. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and they love that line as a result. I'm sorry. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you going to bleep it? Um, I, well, we have to. We'd actually. We have to refer to Blackish to see which side of the ledger you're uh, on. Right, I know. It's um, like if if I'm quoting a black, if I'm black and I'm quoting a black comedian, <laughs> I mean this is this goes way way up to the like Sanhedrin of Oxford <laughs> where they decide these things. Exactly. But um, but if that word is catharsis for a certain part of his base, so they're just like, yeah, he says it now, I can say it, or the fact that I've said it all along, I'm finally redeemed. Mm-hmm. Might it mark, if not a turning point? Just a new low yes. that we have, like, like a truly s- psycho racist in the White House, where, like, there's no parsing things. I mean, obviously, it's all been out there plain as day, including down to his policies. Mm-hmm. It's obviously the worst part of it. But there is something about that kind of smoking gun. I mean, it happened for me with the pussy tape, too. I mean, I've never looked back. Mm-hmm. You know, I never listened to Ivanka say no one's been better for women. Like, once... There's certain things that give the lie to all the fakery around it. And it seems like if that tape were to come out, well, I um, think that it, might change things. I think that's a good point, actually. And I think it might be tantamount to seeing him on stage in Helsinki. Yes. It was almost that moment when the collective was finally like, oh, hey, he may be compromised. Yes. Because of that lack of a performance for his inability to stand up to Putin his siding with Putin and the Russians over our own intelligence community for all of those reasons. But it took something like that for people to say, oh, you know what, there may be something to this notion that he's been compromised, right? So maybe hearing him actually use the N-word will give those who are still on the fence about whether or not he's a racist or he's just saying these things to play to his base. Yeah. Maybe they will finally, finally say, oh, yeah, He's probably a racist. I think also, yes, I think that's absolutely right. And it could be like a sort of Helsinki style moment, which I don't think people have walked back from since, you know, that was decisive. Mm -hmm. The um, and that's when the media finally felt comfortable saying there's something off here. I mean, that's the Kremlin annex protest with treason is up there right in front of the White House. Mm -hmm. And nobody seems to be saying they're going too far. Like they are just there with their in. Tyrannosaurus Rex costumes. <laughs> Should take our kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Just> little hands. 
<laughs> so, yeah, so I think that's right. I think that it, you know, it, it could mark that kind of turning point. I also like hearing him for whatever perverse reasons. I like the sort of Nixonian effect of hearing him when he doesn't, when he isn't talking to the cameras. Because mm-hmm. almost everything he says is for public consumption. Mm-hmm. Even the fact that in that little bit we heard between him and, and, and Omarosa discussing the fact that she was going to be fired by John Kelly and he pretended not to know about it. You know, he he's says, a terrible actor. God, I know. He's no Ronald Reagan. That's right. <laughs> oh <my laughs> he almost did a Ronald Reagan impression. <laughs> he, um, when he says, God damn it, at mm. the end of that, I was like, he never really, like, that doesn't sound like him on Twitter. Like, it's even surprising that he swears. And it was like a Nixon era. Mm-hmm. You know how, like, when the tapes came out, yep. they were all just expletive deleted, expletive deleted, mm-hmm. expletive. And I was, I was thinking, like, I don't know, when you hear that side of him, you also know that he knows he's lying. Mm-hmm. That thing that, like, we've always wondered, does he just have a live in a weird... And I think I think the N-word might do that, too. That if you think of him as, like, a stone-cold white supremacist, where his agenda is affirmatively racist, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, how can I do this thing? You don't have to read between the lines when he says, no kind of racism will be tolerated, or whatever he said about Charlottesville, which, you know, lots of people promptly read as he's talking about white genocidal racism or mm-hmm. whatever also. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to think about that. You might say, you, we know who this guy is, which is what happened with the Nixon tapes. Like, you hear what he's really thinking, mm-hmm. and then you hear what he tells us. Right. Um, and that, I don't I know. I completely agree with you, 150%. And, I think you know, you're right. And Omarosa was in the room with him for so many years. She knows this guy. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little more about her. He called her a dog. Well, today, today. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, one, he reserves his strongest vitriol for Black people. <laughs> Unbelievable. He goes after everyone, but he seems to only question Black people's intelligence. Yeah. So, so so-and-so can be, have little hands, and they can be, like, ugly and be bleeding from wherever. Yeah. But he never questions their intelligence. But he only reserves that, their stupid comment, joke, whatever, for the LeBron James, the Don Lemons, and the Maxine Waters, and now the Omarosas of the world. And that also um, it reminds me, because John Kelly's in the picture of, mm-hmm. of Maishia uh, Johnson, like she was the widow, the gold star widow, right, and Frederica right. Wilson, who right. I think he said as a congresswoman. Empty barrel. Empty, right, yeah. exactly. You know, it's interesting to see his relationship to to how he's perceived, because I think as he gets more and more comfortable in the Oval Office, he cares less and less about how he's perceived. Yep. So I think there was a moment when he worried if people thought he was a racist and he didn't want to appear to be a racist. Um, I think there was a moment when he had maybe a plausible cover, mm-hmm. but it's becoming increasingly more difficult for people to look at him and the way he treats people of color across the board and not come to the conclusion that if he's not a racist, then he has some really strong biases. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and, you know, really strong. (laughs) I brought up the first season of The Apprentice uh, today, earlier today on Twitter, and um, someone weighed in to say they had just watched the season again and that um, Trump is very mild and his character is very unformed in that first season. And Omarosa sets a different standard for how 
good the acting can be in it. Mm -hmm. And then he realizes that this is a show about these clashes and these villains. Like this happened on Mark Burnett's show, The Apprentice. You thought it was going to be a sort of, you thought it was going to be about eat, like how much you eat and these athletic challenges and, you know, getting fed and surviving the elements. And in fact, it was about these interpersonal issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the show that starts out about business. Sorry, Survivor. Yeah, yeah. yeah what mm-hmm. did I say? <clears throat> the Apprentice. The Apprentice, right. Same so, show. Just yes. one happens in a jungle and one doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one has bugs and the, the other one doesn't. The other one has Purell or whatever. Has Trump Gary Busey. <laughs> and a staple gun desk. I hate that desk so much. Um, glue gun. Um, but he... Um, but so he becomes worse, as you say about how he is in the Oval Office. He realizes that the ratings are grounded on him being as jerky as possible in these you're fired monosyllables. Like he really kind of wants to be liked in the beginning and he wants to be a mentor. The idea is an apprentice. Like, I mean, did any of those people ever do any kind of work for the Trump organization? No, but you know what's also interesting? You can see the evolution of reality television mm-hmm. through the evolution of The Apprentice, right? Yeah. So this idea of actually being mild-mannered and maybe tempered I mean, that went out of the window of reality television very early on yeah. because people realize that extreme figures are what people tune in to right. see. Right. So no one has time for nuance and no one has time for, you know, well, maybe if I'm kind to you and a little gracious and we help each other out on this project, we can both walk into the boardroom with our heads <laughs> held high. Yes. Omarosa quickly figured out, no, I want airtime. And what's going to give me airtime by being extreme? And she was willing to be that black bitch. And it worked for her. And it's a gift. It was a gift to the producers and you know to the show that was just finding its footing i mean it was like a puck you know on the second season of 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 the real world when that finally found its way with this like jerky gonzo like jackass style like bike messenger or whatever like such a type you know and just completely unrepentant just like omarosa is you need these extreme figures right but again they don't need to be in the white house they don't need to be in the white house but we have since we have a reality tv president in the white house and i don't think this is all you know i don't think this is the distraction that sometimes people are portraying it as because trump starts doing Howard Stern pretty early on, which is like a great calling into Howard Stern, kind of insinuating his way into the old whack pack, Mm -hmm, remember, which mm -hmm. like predates the surreal life and all these other shows that are about like burlesque and carnies and everyone like exaggerated characters. And then some of that, and this is maybe controversial, um, you do a lot more cable news than I do, but we both do some of it. Cable news is also you're playing yourself when you do it. I mean, you're in beautiful TV makeup right now, but Thank we you. were talking about how <laughs> weird it is that, you know, journalism, when once you move to TV, requires so much lighting, blocking, mm-hmm. hair, and makeup. Mm-hmm. That looks a lot like acting. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I mean, but the great thing about television, especially if you have a print background like we do, is essentially you can get on camera and be yourself. Yeah. This is the way we speak to one another. That's right. Whether but... the mic is here or not. But there are some people who, you know, once the lashes come on, it's an entire show, <laughs> you know, and... I mean, I've I've met people who've met Ann Coulter and they're like, she's nothing like that. She's actually really lovely and kind. Yep. But when she gets on camera, she is her own reality show villain of sorts, right? Yes. Yes. And And she's good at that. And, And lots of people will play that. 
Yeah, we'll play that. I'm thinking of when they have panels and there are four people and one of them is supposed to be sort of the right-wing grouch yeah, or the whatever. The contrarian. Yeah, yeah the flamethrower. Yeah. Know, yeah. Um, yeah, or they get like, what's it called? Huffy about like their audio is not good or whatever. <laughs> it's like, fantastic TV sometimes, you know? I like it when the hosts kind of lose it, you know, and are just like, I'm tired of you. We're calling the student. I mean, they have re- the reality. I'm not doing this. And they like dramatically <laughs> rip up paper, like rip up the script. <laughs> Amazing. And I mean, that is, I think that that is part of where you see these like cage matches staged for a more sophisticated audience. Like now, now they're not watching Real Housewives, but they're watching something that looks a lot like it if they're watching Fox News. The characters, the people look like it. And, you know, MSNBC, too. Across the board, CNN. I mean, uh, yeah. not saying all of the shows on these networks engage in it, but it is definitely a lane. Yeah. Right. And yeah. these cage matches where you put these two people in a room and watch them go at it and no one gets to make a point that's worth anything because all they're doing is going back and forth and just sniping and being like, talk to the hand and blah, blah, blah. And ran, ran, ran. the only thing that's not happening is wine being thrown in people's face and weaves being pulled. But that's like the only thing yep. that's not happening that's- on some of these on some of these nights you tune in and you're like. Is this is the Real Housewives of D.C.? I mean, what is this? And I think that that is, you know, that's Trump's evolution in a nutshell. And cable news and politics, you know, you have plenty of ex-politicians, George Stephanopoulos, people who've, like, been near the White House, in the White House. You have, like, the James Clappers and the John Brennans appearing Mm -hmm. on TV. Like, you get a lot of serious people. So it's really hard to distinguish. I mean, Washington and Hollywood have always had their weird relationship, but Washington and the cable news um, studios are almost indistinguishable at times, you know? And that is, I think, where Omarosa comes in as a really interesting player because she has always, that is, this is her metier or whatever. Like, she's just like, I am alive here. Yeah. And really interesting, like, there's this sort of Venn diagram, right? And she's in the middle. So if, if she is sort of the cross-pollination of pop culture and politics, like there she's right there. Yep. She's right in the center of it all. And she understands how to play both worlds. Like, I'm sorry, watching her yesterday was a master's class in how you one promote the hell out of your book and make sure that you are on everybody's mouth. All anyone was talking about yesterday or tweeting about or Instagramming about yesterday was Omarosa. Amazing. I think it was genius that her first interview was with Meet the Press. Talk about setting the tone for your press tour. That was a very deft move on her part. Yeah. And so she has a clear understanding of how this game is being played and plays it better than most people, which I think Trump and the rest of the gang find incredibly frustrating because they're used to playing people. But she has played them. Okay, so I want to go back to race for a second because Stormy Daniels, to some extent, Shira Beshard, who I think is the one of the models, I can't remember if she does porn or print pornography or whatever, <laughs> but um, she's, she's the one that one of the ones that has an affair possibly with Elliot Broidy, maybe Trump was covering anyway, oh, these fascinating okay, side stories. Yeah. And then Karen McDougal, who was his avowed girlfriend and actually says she loved him. Mm-hmm. So her brain should be committed to science because <laughs> she said she was attracted to him also. Um, but they, um, but, but those, those women and the Me Too accusers have been lauded as kind of like, kind of feminist heroes but we haven't had a black woman before and i do think the media is doing a pretty grave disservice to her by constantly 
trivializing her or, you know, as you say, she worked in politics before. I don't really get why Stormy Daniels, you know, gets to be an avenging goddess and Omarosa is still the villain that she played in season one of The Apprentice. I I think there are a number of factors contributing to that narrative. One, I think race definitely plays a big part in it. I I think people still want to buy into this notion of the angry black woman and Omarosa gives you more than enough material Mm -hmm. for you to buy into that notion about her. But also, she was just so passionate in her defense of Trump Mm -hmm. through all of this. So once the pussy tape came out, she stood by him. That's right. His, His willingness to throw people from brown countries, s-hole countries, shithole countries under the bus. Yep. And on and on and yeah. on. His talk, the birther talk, his talk about Mexicans being rapists. She stood by him through all of yeah. that. So now it's very difficult for people to look at her as this avenging goddess. Yeah. And say what you will, Omarosa is a shameless opportunist. She just is. Yeah. But so is everyone else in that White House. Yeah. So if anything, it's more birds of a feather flock together <laughs> yep. than than anything. And I'm just waiting. Sean Spicer really got a pass during his press tour. Yeah. It wasn't until he got abroad to the UK when that British reporter really like drilled into him that we saw him come under any sort of fire for his behavior. And he was a reality he was a reality figure in training. I mean, didn't he consider going <laughs> Dancing with the Stars? Absolutely. And it was either, wasn't it between Harvard and Dancing with the Stars? I mean, that was the <laughs> other American like collision is like, are you going to be a serious figure in the Oval Office and a Oxford Don or whatever the equivalent <laughs> is? Or Dancing with the Stars? We don't know. And those two options are always possible. And the fact that they are an equal in weight now that's where we are and that's the that's that says a lot more about us than it does about anything i think that's absolutely right lola as usual you hit the nail on the head <laughs> thank you so much for being here oh is it over sadly oh man i know he fun. told me to wrap it up i had like 24 hours oh, more of come on. <laughs> time for this come on That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Hey, do you all know we have something called Slate Day? That's right. September 29th, beginning at 9 a.m. in Austin, Texas. We are co-producing an event with the Texas Tribune Festival. And it's going to feature people like Emily Bazelon, Jamel Bowie, John Dickerson, Dahlia Lithwick, Mike Pesca, David Plotz, Jacob Weisberg, and me. We can't wait. Now, to find out more information about it, go to slate.com slash live. It's all there. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. All right. (laughs) We gotta go. I feel like I'm being dragged out of the Oval Office. (laughs) (laughs) We're the Situation Room. Situation Room. (laughs) Um, That was so fun.